Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Hello everyone, it's Monday night and that means it's another live concert for us to bring to you. That's right, it's Rum and Records, live from lockdown. And this has to be probably the best live album in my humble opinion. And it is of course, Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. Dancing the face up to the facts I'm so nervous, can't relax Can't sleep, fed from fire don't touch me, I'm a real life wild Psycho killer, Keske safe Run, 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 run away Craigie T, um, welcome to another edition here um, and a fantastic introduction there and uh, you mentioned there in your, um, in your sort of opening monologue uh, in your opinion, the best live album of them all. Uh, quite, a, quite a bold statement, um, but I'm sure we're going to uh, dissect um, the sort of uh, the the intricacies of of why you've said that over the next uh, 20, 20, 25 minutes or so. So, um, aye, um, but great opening track. I'm very excited to be talking about this one, um, one that we both own on vinyl. Um, uh, which will be, I think, maybe a yeah, certainly a first of the series. So, um, I so opening opinion. Why you know you've obviously sort of put that bold statement out there, but some of your uh, your opening thoughts on on why you think it is. I think when we talk about live shows, obviously it's about being a part of the experience and hearing yep. these songs in a different state. But one thing that's truly exceptional about this album is also the the film that goes along with it and in a way this could be seen as a soundtrack to the movie stop making sense however the movie stop making sense is again just a live recording it is a live concert i think it's recorded over a couple of nights um but there's no there's no narrative or anything like that it really is just a live gig, so to call it a soundtrack might be a bit of a stretch, but I would say that hand-in-hand hand with the movie and this album, there's nothing mm. finer than the Talking Heads performance. And it's the way that it starts with David Byrne walking on the stage with a cassette player and um, building that song up, just him and the guitar, and then as the movie goes on, more band members are added, um, yeah. which is a shame because the live album doesn't show that. No, no, we were talking about this, and you know, actually, I haven't seen the movie, I've seen clips of it and stuff like that online, but I've never seen it in its entirety, and that's something that um, I have to, I have to sort of um, remedy, um, basically pronto, and, um, but I was reading around how they've sort of layered up the sound by, you know, as you see the band members coming on, and it's a good few songs in before um, the kind of full band is complete, and uh, and we're getting that kind of full band experience, but it's, it's such a such an interesting way of 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 doing things. And the opening track there, obviously, Psycho Killer, one of their most recognisable tracks. Um, even for for people that are maybe not a huge fan of the band, will will know that song um, immediately. I'm, I'm I'm guessing in most cases. You know, there's also benefits for not having the full band there because it's, it's very sort of stripped back. There's a sparse version, but it's 
it's, a, it's also a very very good version as well. It's um it's different. It's something unique. Something you're only going to get either by you know being at the show or you know thankfully releasing the live in this case album and also and also video. But aye, it's uh, it's interesting the way that they approached it. I remember the first time I heard this version. It was on like a, a sampler CD that was getting handed out when I was in my kind of early days at university. And I knew again, I knew the song, but I had never heard this version. And it's the the way that it differs from the original version is obviously that electronic drum beat that he's playing along to. Yeah. And then it starts glitching. And the amazing thing about the performance, and I don't know if you've seen that part of the performance, is that it goes all kind of jelly-like and then comes back in in time with the drums. So it's so well rehearsed. Mm. Um, but it is a stage show. Like, it is there as a visual as well. But that's not to say that the actual music itself, I feel like the performances are elevated above anything that they've recorded in the studio. There's just so much passion. It's so full. into the album in any more detail I wanted to take a quick pause there and I want to find out what are you drinking tonight Craig what have you got um, what is in your glass tonight you read my mind and I think you and I are both on the same wavelength but I have uh, I've made a cocktail in honour of this album and I know you've made a cocktail as well so I did I this did. is this is special for our listeners you may want to get about a pen and a paper um, and also to research these ingredients because they're pretty strange ingredients that I've got going in here. <laughs> but I am, I'm not going to call it a psycho killer, but you know that way <laughs> when um, you're calling somebody maybe unhinged, crazy, there's a couple of terminologies you would use. One of them would be yeah. they're nuts or yep. um, they've gone bananas. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I've taken those two elements and put them into a drink. And generally that would be nuts and bananas make me think of like, milkshakes and all that sort of stuff so it just so happens that i had two quite strange rum based drinks in my drinks cabinet that i actually completely forgot about now one of them is from the area i grew up it's it's from the solway coast uh so here's a shout out to all you dumfries and galloway massive but there's a there's actually quite a few decent distillers out there um right but one of them is called Solway Spirits, and they have released a Banoffee rum. Oh. Uh, now, for those that are uninitiated in the wonderful Banoffee, <laughs> that is banana and toffee, hence Banoffee. And it's 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 delicious. I just opened the bottle for the first time for this drink and um, gave it a good waft, and it's, it's amazing. Ooh definitely is something to play with in cocktails I would say I wouldn't mix it mm. so the cocktail so, here so the Benoffi yes, uh, rum Benoffi rum and then I had to get the nuts in there and I had a friend that went to St Lucia she was lucky enough to go over there and I had asked look if you're there pick me some rum up and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you some cash so she went Lovely. to a couple of the 
distilleries out there, and one of them was serving up this odd drink called Nuts About Rum, which <laughs> is basically just rum and peanuts blended together into this creamy liqueur. But it's very, oh very God. nutty. It's like liquid peanut butter with rum in it. Wow. So I've taken a fairly healthy amount of each um, right. into a blender with a handful of ice, a whole banana, wow. and a, a little bit of a little bit of oat milk. We don't we don't have normal milk in my household. I had some oat milk, so I shoved that in there. Right. And right, um, right. it came out really nice. One thing I would say is to add that sweetness, I've actually broken up a couple of Easter eggs and thrown them in there <laughs> as well. So it's like a chocolate <laughs> banana peanut butter milkshake. Christ. Um, which I don't have a name for. I'm not going to call it a psycho killer, but it's just um, I've gone bananas <laughs> over those nuts. Who, you've like, gone I bananas mean, and you've gone a bit. If somebody would like to name my <laughs> cocktail, please write in and tell me what you think it should be called because I've got no fucking idea. So I've also made a cocktail, um, as you mentioned. Um, I didn't, this wasn't a, I didn't make this one up myself, or, you know, sort of full, full disclosure here. Um, but I was sort of rooting around the sort of back of the drinks cupboard and I was like, right, okay, what have I got here? Like, I have to make a cocktail. I don't have to, but I, I felt I was in the mood for making one to mark this this album. Um, and I found some, I found a lot of miniatures for some reason. I don't even know where I've picked these up over the years, but there's, there's a ton of them in there, everything from like flavoured gins and uh, whiskies and some rums as well but I also found a cherry brandy um, and I do if you if you remember the, the Christmas episode we, we used cherry brandy in a couple oh, of shots yes. and they were dynamite so I was like why do something with that so I was on searching and I found this drink and it's called a Chanbanger cocktail and I just like that <laughs> I just, like, I just like the idea of banger. And I was like, this record's an absolute banger. So that kind of spoke to me. Um, so basically what it's got in it, it's got an aged rum. So it's got five-year-old rum in there. It's got the cherry brandy. It's got freshly squeezed lime juice. Um, it's got some sugarcane syrup. And it was also supposed to have some freshly squeezed grapefruit juice. Now, I didn't have grapefruit. Um, so I've replaced that with orange juice. And it's pretty tasty. Yeah, so that was kind of shaken together and then sort of strained um, into like a kind of a kind of daiquiri kind of type class. Ah, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's um, a wee bit sort of what's that rum? A wee bit mai tai esque, a wee bit Singapore slang esque, a wee bit classic flavours. Um, quite citrusy. Ah, pretty nice though. Pretty nice, but pretty strong as well. So wouldn't be having too many of those. Tonight, so we have our drinks, um, two interesting, very different cocktails there. Um, so to give you a bit of context, um, this album was um, obviously taken from a live show, but um, it was um, released in 1984, I think recorded um, at the end of 83. And it was, I think it was used in part, certainly, to promote 
their most recent studio album at that time, which was uh, Speaking in Tongues, which I have to say is my favourite uh, Talking Heads um, studio LP. Um, it came after their sort of stint with, with Brian Eno, and I think they took a lot of the sort of things they'd learned working with Eno at that time, and then they started elevating it and taking it in different directions and, and melding together certainly a lot of different styles of music, um, you know, Afrobeat and funk and and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but but you said, um, and, I, and I love this, you, this is your kind of go-to and you're not, you're not a... So it's not you're not a huge fan of the studio albums, but it's somewhere where you you go to get your fix of Talking Heads. This would be your first destination, or, or potentially your only destination. Um, why do you think that is, Craig? Why why do you kind of keep coming back to this specific one rather than maybe you're sort of like seeking out the studio albums and sort of getting more into some of those other tracks? I think it's just the kind of breathless energy that's going on from the band. Like it is a fierce. Um a fierce performance non-stop um in the same way like we were talking about with Ty Seagal like I want to hear mm. the absolute not not in this case brutality of it all but I want to hear the energy I feel yeah. like sometimes a lot of albums energy can be lost in its production um especially yeah. with the sounds of this kind of post-punk kind of arty sound that that they have on their studio recordings can be quite thin so, I don't know. I mean, I would also say Speaking in Tongues is probably my favourite studio album of theirs. It's definitely got the songs yeah. that I like the most. Um, mm-hmm. But those songs are also on this album, so... No, that's true. <laughs> and other ones as well. Speaking of the record, um, do you remember when you got this? I mean, I've actually got no recollection of where or when I bought it. I couldn't even tell you. I just have it in my collection. I... Bought it in Oxfam on Byers Road. Um, ah, okay. And it's a, it's it's one of the editions where you can actually break the whole front cover apart because it's actually it's a twenty page book that is the oh, main nice. kind of cover art. So you pull that out and it's David Byrne's suit. You can open that ah, up and it actually shows cool. you a lot of the the sketches and the photography and the set design for the actual live show itself. So it's really interesting. It's a great package. Ah, it's really cool. I don't have anything as uh, as sort of uh, opulent as that. Mine's is a very bog standard version. But I I didn't know that. That's that's that sounds pretty cool. Because we're both you know we're we're both record collectors, and I'm sure um, quite a few people listening to this will be as well. So it's, it's interesting to know the different kind of versions that are out there. So um, another track, uh, another really recognisable track on side one is, of course, um, Burning Down the House, again from Speaking in Tongues, if that's the first track on Speaking in Tongues. two songs it's most kind of your average kind of music fans you know talking heads favorite song this is probably one of one of three i would say that would be in there is burning down the house um and there's maybe a reason for that maybe because it's been 
updated and maybe brought into more familiarity for other people due to a certain cover version? Craig, you were, you were mentioned as we were listening to that last track. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm sure I knew of the song because when I heard it, I was like, that's familiar. I know the lyrics to this. And bear in mind, I think I was only 14 um, when this version yeah. came out. But do you remember Tom Jones brought out a covers album and had all his famous pals come along and sing along with him? I do. I do. Indeed. So there was the one like, um, it was Keris Matthews. There was the Stereophonics. I- um Everybody yep. was on that. Every single fucker was on that. Um, well, there was one. It was the Cardigans and yes. Tom Jones, and they covered Burning Down the House. And it had a kind of iconic video as well. Like, there was like, they were on two separate colours of the, or two separate sides of the screen and different colour backgrounds. Mm. It's, uh, I can't, I've not actually listened to that cover in a long, long, long time. I can't remember it being that bad. No. Uh, do you know what? It's, it's funny you say that because I, I had this album on uh, yesterday afternoon. Wait, Tom, um, Tom Jones Reload? You had that <laughs> no, no, Tom Jones Reload. Uh, it was Load, of the original. Nah, I'm joking. It was, uh, it was this one. <laughs> it was, uh, I was listening to Stop Making Sense. Um, I, had the, I had the extended version on. So, and um, I, it's like, do you know what? It's one of those albums that, I don't know what it's like in your household, but certain like that, you know, there's not there is certain, there's a Venn diagram and there's overlapping of only certain artists and, and types of music that that we both like. So, um, but this miraculously fit was in that kind of overlapping bit of those two circles uh, and playing it away, and this song came on, and that's what Shelley said about Tom Jones. And I was like, oh, fuck, I. But then we couldn't think who did the duet, but you're absolutely spot on. It, is, uh, it was the Cardigans. Um, drawn to a close of side one is the track Girlfriend is Better. Now, you said that to me this is uh, actually one of your favourites of the... I think it is. Oh, yeah. I, I think it is. It's, it's, just, it's just got that... I mean, similar to Burning Down the House, um, a kind of group vocal. Mm-hmm. I just love when fucking everybody just gets in and starts fucking shouting that um, vocal. And it's also where the album title comes from. Mega. Um... On the back of the LP, it, it actually says here. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but they've got all they've got all these questions listed. It's like, why stop making sense? Why a movie? Why tour? Why do the musicians come on gradually? What will the band do next? Where do all the movements come from? You know, why a big suit? You know, etc. 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 But one thing they do say is, are live concerts better or worse than records? And I think that's a very good question. I think it depends, is is what I would say. Um, in the case of this album, I, I think you certainly, I, I know your opinion is probably that the live concert is better. Um, 
I'd probably, I'd probably agree, to be honest with you. But then again, you have to actually ask, why are people going to live music? Because a lot of people are buying tickets just to have said they've been there. Aye. And I mean, I, I, I can be guilty of that. I can be guilty of buying records just to say, oh, well, I had, I bought I've that before it. it was cool. I've got it. I've got this version. Um, yeah. Really, it should be about the quality. And there's so mm-hmm. many times I've been to gigs where I'm like, why am I here? This is shite. Aye. One last thing that we'll say about the film um, is its director wasn't just like your standard kind of MTV director or whatever, like specialising in, in just concert footage. Yeah. And this, uh, this is Jonathan Dem or Jonathan Demi. I don't know. I'm just going to call him Jonathan Dem. Like, um, a bit like really? Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's uh, oh, he's like Jonathan Dem. Dem. Oh, that works. Um, he actually... <laughs> um, Ended up winning an Oscar in 1991, which uh, was for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, fuck. Uh, um, What of Chianti, Clarice? (laughs) Which actually, I just realised, it's a film about a psycho killer. Oh, maybe that's how you got the gig. He's like, you've ever experienced uh, directing psycho killers? Well, actually, yes, I do. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, I just sat and read and said, right, watch this first track. I directed this. This is the theme of the movie. Nope. I probably would have been a bit weird that he comes on in his own places where he fucking recorded and all that. I, there's like, ah, maybe that did help get, get his CV was uh, certainly um, enhanced by doing that and to get to get this role. Um, details about this album very much um, we've not really came with a lot of facts we've only came with this album because it's a fucking classic we both enjoy it we both love it I still hold true that it probably is one of the best if not the best live albums out there um, It to me it is a work of art and this is where where I feel like it is not a whole piece of art without the visuals that go along with it but it's still a very enjoyable thing um, on its own. Craig, any kind of last thoughts on this album? I no, I, I agree with you there. Um I think if you know this exercise we've kind of under, undertook to kind of go through these live albums and read more into them and certainly give a give a sort of more detailed appraisal of them if you like, if I can use that kind of term. Um and I think this one is up there. Um if not you know the best um certainly it's arguably the best that we've came across so far in this series and who knows we we might sort of uh surpass that um i'd love to surpass it you know i'd love to find something even better than this but you know if that if that happens great if it doesn't then you know i I, I still think this is it stands and it, it does stand the test of time and i think there's something about these tracks performed live with that sort of sort of expanded sort of cast if you like um 
it just makes those tracks kind of fuller, um, textured and layered, and it, it just gives a totally new dimension to sort of, they're still familiar, you still know them, they still kind of sound like the same, but just just different in, in such a good way that only live music, I think, can really give you. And for me, that's, that, that's the th- real special thing about this particular album. Well, it's funny that you should say that, and I know we've talked about the production um, of the the studio albums versus this live album, but I've just found a quote here from um, Chris France, the drummer of Talking Heads, oh, and oh, he aye. said... Yep, yep. See you soon. So he said, um, when Slippery People was originally recorded on Speaking in Tongues, it had a funky and compact sound. Mm-hmm. This Stop Making Sense version is funky and as big as a house. Or should I say church? So even oh. even the actual band members themselves um, agree that it sounds fucking huge. Yeah, it really does, man. It's like, at, you know, the church reference, there is a lot of kind of gospel in it with the sort of, you know, the backing vocals. And it, yeah, it, it did really, I mean, he's obviously not the first to sort of, sort of you know, I mean, there are a lot of people around that kind of time that were like sort of, genre bending type artists there's a lot of you know amazing stuff around that time but yeah he's certainly one of the best at doing it and this album is a a fantastic example of that um so bringing us uh bringing this to a conclusion and uh, i think the best way to to sort of sum this up is um we're in a we're in a sort of once in a lifetime situation at the moment um with a lot of questions like uh how did I get here? Where am I going? What's going to happen? Um, and I've got, I, I, you know, that was immortalised famously in the title track that I mentioned, uh, Once in a Lifetime. So we'll leave you with that. And until next time, listener, stay safe, stay in the house, keep the rum flowing, keep the record spinning. See you soon. You may ask yourself, what is that beautiful house? You may ask yourself, where does that highway lead to? You may ask yourself, Am I right? Am I wrong? You may say to yourself, Back